This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 88. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Now, I don't know if you folks remember a show called Desperate Housewives. Initially, I couldn't, you know, give two hoots about the show until I realized there was a cute gardener. And before I knew what happened, they had suckered me in. Anyway, so there was this character called Gabby Solis, or Gabby Solis, and she was played by Eva Longoria. She's beautiful, really selfish, and also otherwise super shallow. Maybe this has happened to you too. Um, that some actor or celebrity played their part a bit too well, and you somehow just assumed that they were really like the character in real life. Fast forward a few years, and I see Eva Longoria on Piers Morgan, which I don't usually watch, and I was hooked. Here was a woman who was not only who not only had incredible empathy, but really truly cared for causes of the disabled, and she was super into politics before she was famous. And as I took this all in, I realized that my surprise at what I had heard showed that I had judged her completely wrong. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk about judgments and evaluations and how we think and make sense of the world. Now, I was so shaken, I made it a verb in my mind. So whenever something is happening that goes along, you know, in that direction, I ask myself, are you longoriating this person? Meaning that I severely underestimate them just because they don't fit some stereotype I hold. Now, the world was not harmed by me misjudging Eva Longoria. But in other areas of life, these kind of errors can not only complicate our lives, but actively prohibit us from moving towards constructive solutions. So the world is a fairly complicated place. And how should we go about judging it? How should we go about thinking about what's going on? So if you've been a listener for any length of time, it will not surprise you that you have some options as to how you judge the world. Now, this is a combination of classic psychological effects that we'll cover today, but also a little bit of my own, some of my own observations based on how we can judge fairly and what is the things that are happening around us. So the first question that I like to ask myself is, is there a need to judge in the first place? Recently, it's become the fashion to advocate for non-judgment. And people always say, like, I'm not judging. But of course, most people are. And most of us have internalized constant judgment. It's a thinking habit that is done in the background. It takes a bit of practice, but we can train ourselves to not constantly judge everything. And this is actually quite liberating. So why is not judging so heralded? Well, it keeps us from getting riled up for no good reason, keeps us from doing dumb things based on false information, and it helps us to stick around long enough for people to open up. If we instantly criticize verbally or otherwise, people cannot share their truths with us. So how can we judge less? 
Personally, a combination of reading Buddhist books and discovering Carl Rogers' concept of unconditional positive regard have spurred me to work on suspending and eventually dropping judgment in a lot of situations. The best way I have found is to say what horrible thing will happen if I don't make up my mind about this right now. And usually the answer is a big fat nothing whatsoever. Once you keep doing this, the impulse to judge gets a little bit weaker. Though in all honesty, some situations trigger me still. You know, especially when there's a lot of animosity existing already. That's why I recommend practicing non-judgment with super unimportant things and fairly neutral situations. You know, it's not... If you if you want to start doing this and then you, you watch, I don't know, Trump or some other politician who really pisses you off, it's kind of hard. If you want to suspend judgment, just start with really unimportant things that are clearly don't matter if you have an opinion about them or not. Another question I ask myself is, what am I not seeing or not understanding yet? And will I have to learn more about that if I judge or if I remain curious? Judgment kind of implies that we have gathered all the facts that are needed. And that is rarely the case. Can you really say that that's true? Have we actually read the source of whatever it is that's riling us up? And if we pause and ask ourselves these questions, judgment, you know, is still part of our lives, but it's weakened and, you know, yeah, it's just less of it there probably once we understand how flimsy it is. Next, we're going to talk about some common shortcuts, and this is basically uh, based on... (laughs) This is mostly based on the work by Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Um, So that's real classic psychology, um, just for you. So just to be clear, we all use these shortcuts, and the important point is that we get to know them and develop the ability to see them happening in real time. Also, they develop because... They are shortcuts which do often contain a grain of truth. So I don't want to give you the impression that all of these things are automatically bad. It's just helpful to know if our judgments are based on these shortcuts, which are called heuristics in psychology, or actual facts. So the first is the attribution error, and this is a classic. When we do something wrong, we emphasize the situation. There was a traffic jam. I was stressed. He was a jerk. But when somebody else does something, we immediately assume it's because of their character. They're not a punctual person. They're not a kind person. So why is this a problem? Well, we give others less credit than they deserve, and we often treat them based on the character attributions we completely made up um, instead of treating them according to how they behave and the motives of why they actually did what they did. Then there's confirmation bias. That is huge. Uh, confirmation bias is when we kind of ignore information that contradicts our beliefs. We don't just ignore it. We literally sometimes don't see it or hear it. It just, blop, it just goes right over our head. And, and if we take it in, we find it incredibly hard to remember. But if somebody says something that confirms what we already believe, we hear it, we confirm it, and we will remember it forever. Now, here's why that's a problem. This is one of the big reasons why it seems like people who don't agree with us live on another planet. Because from an information standpoint, 
we might as well live on a different planet. It's hard to approach others, or as the Beatles would say, try to work it out, if we think the only problem that exists is on the other side. Then there's the availability heuristic. The familiar is overestimated, the unfamiliar is underestimated. Um, threats that we hear about daily are estimated to be way graver than they actually are. And a classic um, example of this is terrorism. Obviously, it's absolutely horrific to be injured or killed in a terrorist attack. But because it's so prominently reported, we think it happens more often than it actually does. Suicide, on the other hand, is only reported if a celebrity commits it. And therefore, we underestimate how often it happens. Similarly, we underestimate how many good things happen or how bad things didn't happen that could have happened because we simply lack the information. And more troubling, if we hear something wrong repeated often enough, we assume that it's true because it's at the top of our mind. So why is this a problem? We can be very easily manipulated. Simply by repeating things often enough, people can direct our attention to certain issues and divert us from another um, possibly more pressing topic. We might divert the majority of our resources to fighting things which are objectively not a big problem in our, um, while neglecting things which are way more likely to harm us. Then there's the effect heuristic. Um, when emotions are triggered by a message, they make us ignore or misjudge the content. So, Basically, we don't really react to the information inside, but we react to the emotion provoked in ourselves. And why is this a problem? Well, again, we can be easily manipulated. If people use emotions in a smart way, they can get around discussing the actual nuts and bolts of a matter. Then there's the rule of thumb or of a, you know, heuristic called representativeness. And the more closely somebody or something fits into a pre-existing category, the less we are likely to judge them as a person, but instead just insert our previous knowledge of the people or the things in that category. We also get intrigued or irritated if someone doesn't fit a category, and our brain compulsively wants to understand which box to, box to tick. And why is that a problem? Well, this is what racism and other forms of discrimination are about. We always talk about how unfair it is to be victims, but we pay a high price if we lose the ability to actually see an individual as opposed to just a representative of whatever group we think they represent. And then another one that's not based on Kahneman or Tversky, but that I just observed is you know, using the example of one or the example of three. So, for example, we in our own lives meet people from a particular group and then they behave badly and we generalize. We just generalize. We think that, well, this just, first of all, it confirms what we already thought of that group, but it's also seen as evidence that, that you know, we actually had the benefit of the doubt, but then the reality somewhat confirmed what we what we already thought was true and this contains a little bit of all of the biases we just talked about and i think this is a very important one because we can trick ourselves into believing that we kind of 
gave it a chance, but we didn't give it a chance. If if we automatically assume that people are the way they are, it's very hard for them to surprise us. So that is also on the generalizing from, from one or three examples to a whole group of people or to a whole whatever other thing that it is. So a few key assumptions here when we talk about moving into how can we make sure we have more, create more constructive judgments. And the key assumption here is that we are actually aiming for fair judgments and that the goal is well-being and dignity for ourselves and others. And if that's not your key goal or your key assumption, then obviously what I'm going to say next will not apply to you. So here are some safeguards to use when fair evaluation is difficult. Um, Our judgment is impaired when our biological needs are not met. So when we're sleep deprived or hungry, it's very hard for us to use accurate and fair judgment. We made up our mind previously about a person. That's also another thing. If we before already believed that a person or an institution is in a particular way, it's very hard to let information in that is otherwise. So if you blame someone for doing this, chances are that you are doing this to the very person you're blaming. So people often say like, oh, you know, I don't know, Trump voters are so bigoted. But by putting all of the voters in the same box, we are kind of doing the same thing, just with reversed, you know, minus plus, that kind of thing. It's also hard... um, to be fair and to reach fair judgments when we have a vested interest in the outcome. So this interest can be very tangible, such as getting a job or losing money. Um, But it can also be more subtle, like defending our worldview or not looking stupid. People do a lot of things to not look stupid and they will bend logic to not look stupid. By the way, I said they, (laughs) this obviously includes me as well. So another reason why it can be hard to judge properly is when our judgments are tied to our identity. So it's hard for us to distance ourselves from things our social in-group seems, you know, deems good. Uh, I have a classmate, for example, that she was, she very, very much identifies with the fact that she's Scottish. So if a behavior is deemed un-Scottish, it's kind of equal to not being good. And and if that happens, very hard for her, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but very hard for her to kind of look at the situation in an objective way. So here are a few questions to ask yourself. Can he or she win in my eyes? If the person cannot do anything right in your eyes, you know that your judgment is clouded. So if, if no matter what somebody does, we'll only say like, if they do the A, we'll criticize A. And if they do B, we'll criticize B. But those were the only options available. Well, that's not fair. And there might be very good reasons why you feel or act that way. But it's still in terms of judgment, it's a clouded judgment. Um, another question to ask yourself is, is it conceivable that there's something that I'm not seeing? That's the very question I asked myself in the beginning, remember? So did we consult the original source of the information? If yes, is it possible that we might not understand every single word? Um, I, at my job, I have to, sometimes I read through, you know, the, the stuff that the IRS writes, and I understand every single word, 
and I have no clue what they're saying. So just reading the text does not mean that we actually understand it. Um, our alternative interpretations, um, could they may be made very easily or are they possible? In most cases, yes. Um, if not, is it possible that somebody is either leaving unimp uh, important details out or has not understood anything? You know, that these are all possibilities. Do I know enough about what it takes to do a good job in that position? That's also something that I think about when people criticize um, celebrities or politicians. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be criticized or there are no reasons to criticize them. But at the same time, we have no clue what it what like the actual day-to-day -day work of a good you know CEO looks like for example so it's kind of hard to reach a fair judgment if we don't know what we're talking about what options were available in the first place sometimes we're frustrated with what someone did or what happened but the question is not necessarily is this right or wrong or the greatest thing for me or not but what other choices did they have what would happen if the tables were turned? How would you judge this outcome or action if someone you don't agree with would have done it instead of you? Or if somebody you absolutely love would have done it? Would you still think it's right or wrong? Would that change anything? Does it change anything if your political party does it or another one? And this is kind of a derivative of the golden rule. Do unto yourself as you wish others would do to you. Then another important question is, is my standard based on reality? If you have ever worked on projects where something like a new software system was introduced, you know that this comes with bugs, no matter how competent and well-prepared people are. And it's easy to demand perfection for people who are, you know, kind of clueless and never build anything. But when you're actually building stuff, you know that perfection is pretty much impossible. So what are we basing our expectations on and can an average human do what you expect or does it need a superhuman am i ignoring the process is another important question many things we take for granted today took decades to develop you know expecting a completely new thing to be just as good is neither realistic nor fair we cannot jump ahead. We have to go through iterations before we arrive at something that works. And we should take that into account when we judge people or their creations. The same is true for, for yeah, people, basically. The same way it takes a while for you to learn a new job, um, it's kind of true for everybody else. Um, and this includes public figures. Demanding constant perfection just increases the likelihood that people hide their flaws, which creates more damage than transparently sharing them would. So what are some tools for constructive judgments? Well, the first, and that's what we dealt with in the first part of the podcast, was knowing your own biases, shedding a little bit of light on them, understanding that others have these biases too, and might not be aware of them the way you can't act on information you know nothing about. You know, we all have our blind spots. Asking the questions we just talked about, that's very, very helpful. Having some mechanism where we learn and remember our mistakes, but without obsessing over them or criticizing ourselves for them. Another thing we can do is seeking out 
enduring and fact-checked information. You know, newspapers and social media, they want clicks. They need material every day, which is why they often don't pay their reporters a fortune to carefully research things for months and months. There are exceptions, but this is a rule of thumb, right? So magazines, books, and documentaries, they often need a little bit more thought to be put together. And they also often make different kinds of resources available to their journalists and documentarians. So, yeah, kind of actively seeking out those kind of sources are important. Another thing that's important is reading and not not just reading so that you can say you read it, but actually seeking out contrarian um, sources. Something I learned a lot about is there is a right, uh, kind of a right-wing magazine called Weltwoche in Switzerland. And they are pretty much, they just disagree about everything. And I subscribed to that for a while. And they, I, I would really say that they actually helped me to arrive at a way more balanced view of the world, I would argue. Now, of course, they sometimes still annoy me and I don't have the subscription anymore because after a while that got pretty repetitive and I knew exactly what they would say about a particular topic. But that really opens us up if we give it a chance and we don't just assume that everything in there is is 100% wrong. And a word on so-called fake news. Um, I mean, I don't want to encourage people to pay money for that because that would obviously mean that we would get more of it. But at the same time, I want you to consider this idea. Even if the facts are fake, the concerns, the feelings, and the thought processes discussed are not. And and that's something that is important. Even if every single statement can be refuted, that doesn't mean that the feelings expressed and the views expressed can. Uh, and that's very important to to keep in mind. And also, this is taxing for the brain. And I admit that I don't always see the point in doing this. Um, but if we assume everybody believes the same thing we do, it's time to check out something different. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to, you know, read Breitbart all day long. But, but sometimes we have to take in something different if we believe that ours is the only right view ever. And then finally, you want to talk about having benevolent assumptions. So what is the kindest interpretation of what is happening right now? What if this person truly tried to do their best, even in this situation, and even if we think they're a total tool? What challenges or fears could they be facing? And what is the most loving response that we could give? Now, I leave it up to your imagination to think about the areas in life in which this kind of thinking could be helpful. I hope you enjoyed thinking about thinking and that you might be even motivated to notice these things in yourself. Now, here are some reviews, and this one is short and sweet. It just says, great. It's from Radiofan1111 from Switzerland. And it just says, awesome podcast, very helpful. <laughs> Thanks very much, Radio Fan. It's always nice to get some support from the homeland. And there's a comment from C. Robert. And it says, hi, Kristen. I found your podcast a while ago and I can't stop listening. I am going to list a few reasons as to why I like it so much. I became more aware of my actions, thoughts, and feelings after every episode that I listened to. 
It's a constant oasis of good information and advice for me. After the elections, in brackets, in Romania, it truly helped me and my friends recover from the shock. We had it too. It helped me understand other people more clearly. I feel like because of your podcast, I have a stronger relationship with my friends and family. And as a bonus, you constantly remind me of one of my best friends who is also a psychologist and loves your podcast too. I hope you'll never stop doing this. Much love from Alba Lulia. I have no idea how you pronounce that. But thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this touching comment, C. Robert. And uh, of course, for, sh you know, for sharing the podcast with so many of your friends. Uh, thank huge thank you for doing that. I love the fact that it translates so well to a context that I personally know absolutely nothing about. And I... You know, I googled Albalulia and it looks stunning. And there you go, folks. That's the availability heuristic right there. Um, because I had never heard of this place. I was surprised. But why on earth shouldn't Romania be beautiful? So thanks, C. Robert. Thank you so much. So um, I have an announcement to make and it's as follows. This year I want to focus more on coaching. And I have six slots to fill right now. So if there's something you feel stuck about or you want to change and need clarifying how you can get there or what you can do, um, you can go to strengthsphoenix.com and schedule a free 90-minute session called What Do I Need Right Now? It's no strings attached, and I mean that. Um, and it's my goal to really help you just in those 90 free minutes, regardless of whether you decide to go forward with the coaching or not. And if this doesn't sound like something for you, keep an eye open, an eye, what, an ear open and an eye out for people in your, you know, in your circles who are maybe struggling and could use a coach. And one thing, you know, when people are like, I can't sleep anymore and I'm, I'm stressed all the time or I'm, I'm, they're trying out, you know, everything from acupuncture to God knows what, you know, that's, that's something where coaching might help. So thanks a lot and talk to you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthsphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.